0: blog talk radio
1: pagans tonight radio the voice of the pagan world featuring the man with all the questions that some don't want you to hear called the most dangerous person you will ever listen to the ever-curious digital pioneer ed the pagan and welcome everybody we're so glad to have you today Um, we're going to be doing a very special this is the final episode of this series, we'll probably do more later, but right now, it's is the final episode, and tonight we're talking about Lord Nicholas Kinsley, and he is the provost of the Gray School of Wizardry Online, and the prodigy of Oberon Zell, the world's greatest living wizard, as, he, as is described in the world. He is very much actively doing things that we would like to do, including, and not least, of which building a castle so remember who our sponsor is tonight pagans tonight radio is sponsored by witchschool.com you're anyone anywhere anytime online magical education and so we're going to get this started and we have great shows still this week but this will be the last one of this series and i and this is amazing and uh this young man has a lot to say Hi everybody, welcome to Pagans the Night Radio again and we're going to be bringing you a very special treat. I think this one, I think all the people we've had have been so dynamic and so terrific. But this one's a little different. We have Lord Nicholas Kinsley of Gray School. And for those who don't know what Gray School is, it's a school of wizardry and it's a little bit different in, and I'll have him explain why it's a little different than, than most of the things that we've done. But I want to welcome uh, Nicholas Kinsley. Lord uh, Nicholas, welcome.
0: Well, thank you very much.
1: It's a pleasure
0: to be here. I, I am uh, distinctly honored to be in such good company tonight. I look forward to some truly interesting conversation.
1: And it, and, and they have been. And so let us go ahead. And, and why don't we talk about how you got to be where you're at today? And uh, and for for people who don't know, amongst other things that we may find, discover, he is the provost of Gray School, which is on. And uh, right now, and it has been since 2004, an online school of wizardry. And so, yeah. oh, how'd you get there? How did, how did this superpower get out there, your comic book story? Well, it's, it,
0: is a, it is a tale, you know. I think uh, before we were talking about it, you, know, you find a great deal of importance in recognizing the story of origin, mean, right, this path that we walk because it gives shape to our legends. You know, it allows us to craft the world we wish to see. One of the things we'll talk about a little bit later on, I'm sure, is some of the facets of wizardry and how that sort of builds into it. But in my own tale, you know, where it begins was 2003-ish, somewhere in there. I was a young boy and my grandfather and I were going through, I think it was Powell's Books or something like this in Portland, Oregon. And a book of you know, some renowned at this point now uh, was on the shelf. My grandfather took it up and he said, you know, the world could use a few more wizards. He handed me this book and that's where my journey began. From there on, I decided to be a wizard it was in a, you know, at the time, certainly, and even now today, sort of, uh, it's an occulted occult path. It's, it's not necessarily as known as some other sort of uh, ways about the world. So it's been an interesting journey, certainly. And through that, you know, process of growth and transformation, you know, my own apprenticeship through this grimoire and through experiences and through the mentors I found along the way who have been numerous and wise in their own respects. You know, I'm recalled to a time in middle school. Uh, I don't know how old I was in middle school, but middle school age. And there was a teacher I had uh, whose name is Ms. West, probably not anymore, but was then, and she would not let you come in late to her class unless you could give her a Lord of the Rings quote. This was the rule for uh, showing up late to her class. And I remember one day coming in late, and she goes, ah, Nicholas, what's your quote? I looked her right in the eye and said, a wizard is never late. nor he, he arrives precisely when he means to. looked me in the eye and she said, well, when she means to is that bell. I'm to my desk. I think I'll we'll through with that pretty well. But there have been wonderful people like that along the way, which has given me a lot of shape and guile as we interact with the world of, uh, now.
1: That's interesting. So mostly you were nominated in the track of pagan leaders. And I guess there's a lot of confusion about wizardry being a pagan practice, but it's not. Can you explain a little bit about what wizardry really is? I mean – and, and and I, I know that you, people are seen in dynamic of that. Um, yeah. Well, wizardry, mm-hmm.
0: to equate it sort of, if you were to think of uh, chess as a sport, right? And chess is a sport of the mind. Wizardry is very much along the lines of the mind. And as a trade, it's not necessarily bound to one religion or group or something like this. secular affair. The same way that, you know, a carpenter isn't necessarily one religion or another. It's a job, a profession, or a trade. that sort of embark on. And the word wizard comes from an Anglo-Saxon sort of uh, mixed word, of wiser, wiser, wise one. And so wizardry follows along the ideas of these different cultures and groups across time. It's really distilled down into what does it mean to be wise and how do we transform knowledge that we gain every day into wisdom that can be shared in a transformative and positive way that, you know, brings lasting impact to the people who consume that wisdom. And this is another important thing that wizards sort of engage with in the world is that I think we find a lot of uh, what I like to call fortune cookie wisdom out there, which is some vague quote that we throw out there and go, okay, well, you know, hopefully this thing will prove true to you in some circumstance." But a wizard takes all the experiences that they sort of cultivate along their journey and they formulate them into wisdom that is meaningful in sharing. So something I like to share in particular is the difference between a rock and a stepping stone is how it's used, which is a nice cookie fortune quote you can explain to people and go into more depth about, well, what does that mean? You know, one of these things that as wizards we practice and we understand and sort of the trade and skills we go into is that life is a series of experiences which draw our attention and give us an opportunity to grow. Some of these experiences are more taxing than others, you know, and I'm sure each of us has a story relevant to that taxing nature of the experience, we can say, well, you know, this is a particularly hard moment for me. I think there's a, a trend in, in the world today to take those experiences which are challenging and discard, which is helpful for some people, certainly. You know, there is a place and a time is an important thing. But as a wizard, we sort of learn the tools to transform those experiences into an opportunity to grow as people and also in understanding of others. We take that negative experience and we say, well, here's the empathy I can gain from it. Here's the lesson I gained from it. Here's the world experience I have now. I can transform all of these things into lessons I can share with others to prevent a similar circumstance. I can use it as an empathetic sort of bridge that I can connect with others who have been in similar circumstance. And all of these things allow us to better connect with the communities we serve. And this is another, this is really the facet of wizardry, is that It's a trade of service. And so, you know, we like to go out of our way to do what we can for the communities we're a part of. I think a little battle cries of wizardry is agency is key. So in that sense, the wizard chooses the community that they serve, obviously. But once they do that, they are committed to that community's well-being and helping to develop and grow in a positive and transformative manner the systems that are a part of them. So this is really the practice of wizardry that involves such a spectrum of different topics we have 16 departments associated and in these departments we cover a plethora of things and things all the way down to you know, quantum physics and the mechanics of, of the void and the aether and the universe itself and how these things intermingle and connect and then to the other side of the spectrum we're talking about sort of the internal cosmos and the size of the life waste department about that sort of interconnected nature that is relevant to all human life this idea that we are not separate from the world but apart from it. The same way that we're not separate from each other but a part of each other as well. This sort of interconnected web is something that a wizard learns to look at. Equally, of course, you know, we look at magic and how magic works and we sort of get to the mechanics of how these things function. A lot of this is really the wizard's pursuit. And, you know, one of the things that is confusing, you said, you know, is people say, well, we consider this part of the pagan community Equally, I think we're considered a lot of other people They claim us as their, their group. I gave a talk not too long ago at a, at a relatively Christian college in Oregon, and someone had said, well, it's like Moses. I was <laughs> like, oh, yes, probably a wizard, but <laughs> you know, we, can't, we don't really belong to group because in the same way that a trade doesn't necessarily belong to one specific religion. you know, The trade of wizardry is something that anyone from any path can walk. I think that allows us to be the bridges that we seek to be in the communities that we're part
1: of. That's interesting. Now, I was there at the origins of the uh, Gray School. Most people don't know that. Uh, we actually, my team actually helped out the early Oberon. Uh, Oberon. Um, and you were a student of your own, of the school that you've now taken over because, um, and it was always very interesting to me because uh Oberon Zell, which we, you know, we've know we done interviews with, and I don't want to dwell on him because this is about uh, Lord Nicholas here and not uh, Oberon, but he got the school started, started, and you were a student in it, weren't you? Is that if I'm understanding it right? How did you become to be provost?
0: A long and arduous journey. All <laughs> growing in stash, significant power, uh, but uh, the journey to, to provost, well, I've Always been a very driven young man. Uh, mm-hmm. Things that I believe I, I want to see done, I, I do. You know, and this is a, a neat track record that I'm able to boast for myself. And, you know, I think that there are, should be large statues built to my humility, possibly spotlights on them so that people from far away can tell how humble I am. But uh, <laughs> after that, I've been able to bring a lot of success to the projects that I've been a part of. And when I was finished with my journeymanship, or sort of kind of, Wrapping up my journeymanship, I was doing voiceover work, I was doing kind of video game stuff, I was doing a lot of writing and engaging in sort of more, uh, I don't know what you'd say, more of a pop culture kind of role or, or a public figure kind of identity at that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, but all the while, you know, I had my grimoire war with me, I was reading my wizardry and I was doing, you know, stuff like this. And an opportunity arose when I was 23 to... Uh, joined the school, and this was a big deal because the uh, enrollment age, or the age for faculty, of 25, which I now support because I've learned deeply. But at the time, being who I was, I was having none of that, and so I, uh, I was like, "Well, I want to get in here. I want to get on this." And I submit my application, and I got in as a teaching assistant, with the uh, way in, and uh, I just blew people away. I was, I was, I knew what wizardry was because. And, I, and not to be too full of myself here, but I'm going to be, is that the, a lot of people who were coming to wizardry at this point were coming to wizardry from somewhere else. Right? You, know, you were a shaman and you were a wizard, or you were doing you know, some sort of community reach in the far reaches of somewhere and then you were a wizard. But for me, I was never something other than being a wizard. It was just, well, what are you? I'm a wizard. And so having lived the life built off of you know, all these different elders and groups that came together to say, well, Let's put some stuff in this book <laughs> and see if that turns out kind of the people we want, so you know, I grew up with that book and learned the wizardry thing. and went off and did interesting stuff. You know I met some neat people, and I was a manager for a while, some subs stores, which was exciting. I uh, renamed my team Subslayers. we sang an anthem. That's great. It's great, a high cobbler experience. I did community management for YouTube celebrities for a while and it was good but part of that whole journey was the gray school still that kind of linked back into a lot of places i was going and doing pop-up became especially during my journey my apprenticeship you know lasted until i was about 15 or so and i had to grow up had to become a man kind of thing meet the world Face some challenges that were coming my way, and get a job, and help people, and all that kind of stuff. Sort of moved me from of we the student who was sort of engaging and learning, to somebody who needed to participate in the system, had to do things, had to make sure stuff was happening. The journeymanship is all about taking those tools learned during our apprenticeship from those who came before, and seeing how they fit in the world. And sometimes we don't fit. You know, we have to recalculate, kind of re-understand how things are going. Other times they will be really well. Oh, I'm very glad we paid attention. Then, you know, talk off in class. <laughs> there's a lot of really good moments like this that built into dreamship. During that time, voice um, you know, there would be a little message or something I'd see from grade school that would pop up or there'd be a Facebook thing or, you know, someone I would meet on the, on the road would say something or I'd have a fan who'd come up who was connected. Um, but, you know, this is, this is still kind of something I'm interested in wanted to maybe take my wizardry and do something different than in grade school. And I thought, well, if I walk this path, I'll just, it'll be like everyone else. I'll be like everyone else. So I want to do something unique. And, you know, I think that was the goal for a while. And then towards the end of my journeymanship, that desire to be unique and the center of attention, this kind of thing, started dying away pretty quick. Um, you know, I had gone through a unique and transformative experience of having been popular on the internet, which is like being the cool kid at homeschool. And uh, then uh, not being popular on the internet like that. Things move and sort of a, a worldview I had built regarding power and reputation and how things move, a deeper understanding that was revealed to me through this moment, like this idea of, well, these reputations I built for myself, this community I built for myself, a lot of it was based on sort of an ego trip and that fell apart when that ego couldn't support that sort of environment. Not healthy. Not a healthy way to build things like that. So I had to transform. I went and got a, a normal job. So I wasn't a voice actor anymore. I went and got a sandwich job. And at that place, I decided that I wanted to be a leader, right? So I wanted to be able to provide an example to people and I was going to practice my skills until I got to a place where I felt comfortable enough to teach those skills. This is a conscious decision I made at around 20, was to make this a training experience for my later life. And so I went and got a job at a Jimmy John. I prefer, better tasting. And we worked, you know, I, I worked hard and I talked to my manager, and I built connections, I built friendships, and I built a relationship, and then I built a community. And around in this community, there was a new power that I hadn't really felt more lasting and real than sort of the fame kind of thing that I had, had on the, you know, games on the internet sort of stuff. It was tangible and also worked in two directions. And this was important. It was a connection, mutual respect and appreciation that allowed for this sort of cooperation to happen. And from now, I was able to get my first job and responsibility as a peer i uh, which a person in Target, very, very fancy. I was very proud of myself. And then I became a manager, and then I left that store and took over a subway and then managed two subways and went on to do that for a little bit. This was a good way of kind of learning to build leaders. And so through this journey, where I initially had started out wanting to be a leader and set the examples of things like this, as I progressed through that experience, I found that what I really enjoyed doing was helping people become leaders and sort of giving them the path forward to that sort of thing. And that was very rewarding, you know, training up new area managers or people to kind of lead a team and then watching that flourish under this person's tutelage was a really rewarding experience. And I thought, all right, so I now see my path before me is quite clear. I don't know how I'll get there from here, but I know that I need to return to sort of this this wizardry street. Uh, things happen. I don't remember what saying, like. time passes. Three months, four months, on After that, I, I retire from the subway—that's what we call it—and uh, an opportunity the grade school, so I joined. them. You know, and I say on my first day, you know, I think uh, my biggest goal is to be headmaster of the school. And people were like, whoa, that's bold of you, Kingsley. That's a bold statement. I was like, well, I'm a bold man. I think I'd like I'd like to be headmaster in school. There was something I doodled in my sketchbooks when I was a little kid. You know, I had all sorts of ideas in my journals and I become all have a big hat, a nice poncho or something. Which, you know, you can't see this right now, people, but I am wearing both a nice hat and a fine poncho. It's very normal. Uh, so dreams come true. So I said this, you know, and I, I wore my intentions on my sleeve when I joined up to the school. I said, this, this is the goal I want to do. But stage one, a much bigger vision I have of what I want to do with my life. This is, this is who I am. I am a wizard. I, I've grown up through wizardry. I want to do the wizard thing. And there was a lot of, lot of upset people about that. <laughs> there were some people who were not keen on that. Me being so young, i seen as very brash, you know, very brazen to say this sort of, and I said, well, I'm, you know, I'm not pushing. I'm not going not gonna to do anything nasty. But this is my intention. This is what I'd like to And, well, when opportunities presented themselves to me, I took them. That's, you know, there would be an opportunity to take on more responsibility for a project. I said, you know what? Like, I'll do that. I'll go ahead and jump on that project. And I would complete that project. You know, it might be, oh, one of the first things I did as a faculty member in grade school was the Academy of Arcana, which was a gray school place and also a sort of store for Magic Eye and these sorts of things in Santa Cruz, California, uh, was closing down. It had been closed, closing down so myself and my apprentice went out to help uh, Oberon and, and everybody there pick up shop and take care of the Academy of Arcana. This is like the first week, third week or something that I'm working at the school I go down to do this and we're on point, we're helping out. And something comes up in conversation about, you know, oh well, Magic Alley someday, this, that, and the other. And you know, we all leave on good terms. It's a lovely meeting, you know this. And why, you know, a few months later an opportunity comes up for someone to take over Magic Alley. And I say, well, well Magic Alley is our school store just for you know, good, good. that's good. So Yeah, I hope, you know, this is a thing that I'm mentioning here. I feel we should give some content um (laughs) you know this opportunity comes up to take it and i said yeah i'll do it i'll give it to me i'll i'll take care of this and so we broke down 11 hour drive or something like that picked up old magic alley got all the all the inventory and stuff and i set to work i set to work putting it back up online reintroducing school rings to the school i felt the school spirit was very important so we brought back you know scholars and Well, a lot of stuff the stuff i was being told by my more experienced colleagues just wasn't possible. You know, there's just no way we can get school rings or our pendants back. They just don't, it's just not, don't even waste your time. Something I've heard a lot in my life. You know, people say, well, that's just not possible. Don't waste your time. I think that's a very deceitful attitude. I you know, do I just don't think it's very helpful. Yeah, well, you know, it's, if you're going to be doing impressive things, you cannot have an attitude of it's already duped. Because this does not do you good. If you're going to do impressive things, you act as though they're already done. And then you just catch up to them and hope that <laughs> you can fill it all in all of that. But, uh, you know, it was just a series of these things. I, I said we'd update Magic Alley, so we got updated with a brand new website and all this sort of stuff. Uh, we updated our forums, and I was leading these projects to kind of take more responsibility. But equally, you know, power comes with responsibility, and vice versa. And so through this process, I became a teacher. I was able to publish my first classes, and get those out. Become the school's youngest professor, twenty-three, which staggering, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was an opportunity to become the assistant headmaster, and I said, "I would love to do that, you know, your beardliness." Who I call the headmaster. I would love to. <laughs> I would love to take on this opportunity. I can. I can certainly take on this role, and I can do something. Uh, I think that will blow you away. So, give me the opportunity, and I will do cool stuff. And he said, well, I could use the help. So I took on the role of the assistant to the headmaster, which, you know, helped me talk to people. And it's a, it's a no-power position. Like, there's no structural power to that position. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of you know, And I was able to talk to the headmaster one-on-one, which is a big deal for me at the time. It still is. I didn't want to make it seem like I didn't didn't think he was anymore. Um, Yeah, but we got talking and we we really hit it off. And an opportunity popped up at a point to apprentice under him. And I said, you know, here's my goals. I would like to learn how to wrangle cats, as we call it. I'd like to know how to lead leaders and build deeper, more rich, more engaging communities. Can you teach me those skills? Can you teach me to be the wizard of wizards? And he said, yeah. no. So I, I just ended up going through that process, and I learned quite a bit. And one of those things that is provided by that is an opportunity to engage. And when an opportunity came up, I was able to join the Admin Council of the Dean of Students for a year and serve as that. And then an opportunity came to be a provost. I said, you know, all of my I what I want to do. I still want to be headmaster they all this sort of stuff. And uh, I said, yeah, I think I can do that. And I was able to prove not only through my willingness to take on the role, but of, you know, my work and achievements up to that point, which all built on each other is more and more and more significant sort of a running thing. Uh, and as a result of that, you know, by taking on the responsibility and fulfilling those responsibilities, I think this is important to note that taking on responsibility is all well and good. But if you don't fulfill the responsibilities you take on, you damage the reputation you're cultivating for yourself. You say, I can do this thing, and then you don't do that thing. You've you damaged your reputation, or rather you've cultivated a negative reputation, which pushes you know, power away from you, and it makes you not as trustworthy to your peers or the community you serve. And so I had to make sure that the projects I was taking on were projects I could do. You know Maybe... Maybe not. There's a little bit of lessons from Star Trek and Scotty in there. Oh, Captain, I didn't know if I could get it done. It's going to take three years, but I've done it in 10 minutes for you, Captain, because I'm not impressive. And and there's been a bit of that. You know, who could say? Who could say? Largely, this has been the journey to this, and it's been um, uh, transformative. Absolutely. It
1: sounds like it. It sounds like it, it, it. It sounds like a very much a very... Enticing. So who's the current headmaster? That's, you mentioned that you want to be headmaster someday, but Provost is actually in charge of the school, from what I understand.
0: Well, I wouldn't say that, of course. <laughs> I... uh, the day-to-day
1: operations. Oh, uh, yes, that's true. The okay. uh, headmaster Obron is in charge of the school. Okay, so he's still the headmaster. I wasn't sure. Um, <clears throat> because it's been very interesting, um, having seen it in the early days this idea of, so people think of this as, so so on the negative side, there's been the idea of Harry Potter, which has been actually very good on that. But the idea of going online was very interesting. It broke with a lot of tradition, though I see it as a, uh, I think online is magical. Cyberspace is psychic space. I say it all the time. And um, it's always been very fascinating to me to see, watch this transformation. So, Beyond just the school, and you've talked about being a wizard all the time right this is this is your life, this is your identity, this is what you do. What is it that you find about that that is important? you know this idea of being important to it um I guess that 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 you've taken on that role there
0: we are. Microphones, technology.
1: Yeah. Uh, well, <clears throat> why is it important? Well, why I is think... it important to you hmm. to identify that way? Well,
0: I think that there are many roles in society. Mm-hmm. Many rules open to people to enjoy, to live through, and these sorts of things. And the way of a successful society in many capacities that it refines on itself continually and sometimes in that process, good things are prune without knowing. Um, in, in our society, we really focus in on hero culture. Like, this is a very big point of, you know, you're a hero, and heroes look like this. Well, you know, I'm not a hero. I'm not particularly heroic. I don't have the physique for it, certainly. But uh, I, I do like to see myself on the scale of the good guys. And, well, what does that mean? What is good in that sense? I think it's positive and lasting, transformative growth for people, and that's kind of what I do as a wizard. Is I try to cultivate that sort of growth, and you know, people have sometimes told me, "Well, that's a very open answer," because it is. There's a lot of different ways that sort of things apply around the world, and a different sort of way we help each other. When I, oh, why I like wizard as the particular sort of nomenclature for what I do, is that. Wizardry to sort of transform the ancient term of wiser to the modern wizard and understand that wizardry is a practice of wisdom. I like that. I like the idea in the same way that I like what a carpenter is. You know, I like that idea of a carpenter transforming and shaping and giving purpose to what might otherwise turn into a a fallen log. I like that sort of same metaphor, identity with what wizardry is technology. The world today is saturated knowledge. There is so much you can do. You could learn surgery on the internet. I don't recommend it, but you probably could. You, know, you do full things. Uh, and this is where the wisdom comes in, right? Because you have access to all this knowing. Not necessarily are we, are we necessarily interested in transforming knowledge anymore for people. They don't want to think about the answer as much. And this is, I think, it's troubling in some respects I don't want to see our technology outpace our humanity. I think that's an important thing. People criticize me for saying that. I don't mean you know turning into robots or anything like that. I just mean that we have sort of mannerisms and structures like this, and the way we communicate and engage, them, that have to transform along with us. Now, as our technology builds, uh, we have to incorporate that new technology into how we build community, into how we talk with each other, and how we we live with one another. You know, the internet has been, it has been a double-edged sword in some respect, but I think it's opened us to one another in a way that was previously possible. It just wasn't able to be done. Even at this moment, we're speaking through time and space in a way that will be heard, you know, through time and space, So <laughs> it's, it's really quite remarkable. Um, you know, when I look at what wizards kind of are in the pop culture, you mentioned the Harry Potter uh, connection. Mm-hmm. I, I just watched Harry Potter for the first time in the day, which is quite exciting. I'm a big fan of McGonagall, which uh, I hear is a popular choice. But I liked it. Um, but the, uh, the way of it, you know, I was watching that movie and I thought, movies, it's a three-day event, frankly. I ran out of popcorn halfway through, so it was tough going in the end. But uh, I was watching that world and I thought, this is not a world I would want to live in this is some crazy, crazy stuff happening here. Sure. They've got monster ghosts and a man with no nose. I didn't care for it. And I thought, well, but there's a lot of metaphor that can be drawn from these stories. There are storytellers. There's a lot of story in this. Not only are we storytellers, but it's about, like I was saying, that transformation of knowledge into wisdom. You Take that story, you know, Harry Potter story, for example and you draw out the event of this tale to people, you say, well, here's a lesson that we can infer from that, or we can create, or it's a neat story to tell. I quite like it. And it also opens up, uh, it's, it's, I have a similar feeling uh, about, oh, conjuration, stage magic, uh, in that it's a very talented thing to be able to do, and it opens up a, a door of connection. They can be like, oh, I like this magic trick, and I'm willing to maybe accept the magic trick so I can talk a little bit more about what the mechanics behind this sort of phenomenon might be. It's a bridge to conversation. I think Harry Potter says that in the same way, you know, there's a mythos around the wizard being a certain uh, mannerisms and things like this. So, you know, we are cranky. I don't know why that seems to be the way of it, but it is a stable trait. (laughs) It's a constant. But apart from that, uh, I just like the, uh, the identity. I really think that wizardry is what—how would you say? It's a nice bridge for people who aren't necessarily uh, into the occult that you can still help. You know, like I'm able to go to a lot of people who uh, aren't necessarily occultists, but they still want my help. Maybe a holistic remedy to something, or a poultice or something like this, or counseling or something along these lines where the term wizard is comfortable for them because they, they recognize it. You know, they recognize it's a very either positive or neutral sort of phenomenon within pop culture. Rarely do we see evil wizards. We do, and I have complaints, but you know, largely our wizards are seen as mentors or guides or, you know, sort of these characters in this role. And so they can associate rather quickly in their own, you know, pop culture. All right, well Merlin and Gandalf and Dumbledore. Okay, well, there are some wizards off the top of my head. They were decent. Maybe this person will be too. And, you know, a lot of how you engage with people, how you hold yourself and the way you talk, you you can't ramble them down. But uh, largely, I think that that sort of connection to people, that familiarity with the term allows them a place to stand. And it gives us sort of the, the best connection possible to reach as many people as possible.
1: It's very interesting because we often talk about people who are at the – in the what they feel is esoteric, like computer sciences and all sorts of things. Well, you're a wizard. You can do things that I can't. And, of course, for me – and I've often said this to people, and I still believe this. You're right. You're, you were mentioning before um, when we're doing these sort of things, I, I see this new world of synthetic telepathy. Yeah, that's what it is. It's uh, uh, you know, cell phones are, are are wormholes that take you across time and space to to put down the distances. And we're now moving into this sort of cyberspace world, and uh, very quickly. Pagan metaverse has become my big thing. Um, I feel I've used the term magician for myself, and I'm a techno magician, meaning I really do like the magic of technology. And I often, t- and one of the things I relate it to is the idea of the wizard or the magician. Being different uh, different roles. I'm 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 not a wizard. I, I tend to have be magic. I love large scale magic. There's a difference. Um, but it is this idea that wizards work with symbols and code? What do we work on in the computer world? And you your your own origin was symbols and codes. But it does one other thing, and I think that people who are becoming wizards, when we start to see the AR world come over, augmented reality come over. People don't realize it's it's going to take longer than you think than you think, and it's going to ha- come faster than you know. And the idea of and I say, where our world's transforming into an auto magical world. Uh, so you have you know you have grade school online, which creates a sort of connection even at a distance. And we used to say, oh, that's astral projection. Well, now we have an electronic form of attending that. Um, so let me so. I do have a point to this, There's that so this idea of the world coming to it, I think that wizards are going to become more and more important because I think it's a process as much as it is a practice, and they think of the things in an imaginative way, and we all say, oh, imaginations are not real, but they are very much a skill set, you know, to be able to imagine something then bring it out of your mind, and what is it? Taking it out of your mind and putting it into the real world. And that's what it is and I think cyberspace is impregnated with that. So you take don't something. Huh? I think that's a very much as it is. So but so I see uh gray school continuing on and then embedding some of that. But you're actually going to go ahead. But so I think that's an important part. But you're also now building in against this idea of more and more technology. It would it would be very fascinating if you said, Oh yeah, we're gonna create a VR version or an AR version, but you're not doing that. You're creating a physical location. Can you talk about that?
0: Yeah. Well, I, I like what you said there about wizardry being app. A journey, a transformative journey, I think that's, just, that's an important thing. We talk, you know, I'll talk about the two things, of course, but the, the journey one goes on through apprenticeship to journeymanship to mastery. These three cycles are one that you continually learn when you're a part of it. You know, I think that's important. But I like this, this transformation that goes on. Because, you know, there's a big difference between somebody who comes in a grade school in their first year, in their level one, and someone who's graduating at level seven. It's, a, it's amazing, it's amazing. They're so eager at level one. Level seven, they're not, they're very good. No, but it's a refinement. As you go through it, you transform. And you start to and it really is a, a magical thing. And to your point of the cell phone, things like this, wow. You know, we are living in a world today that is the most magical it's ever been before. You know, we talk through crystal screens and we drive horseless carrots. We fly to the sky and we blend on the moon. It's nuts. <laughs> if I were a time traveler, I would be blown away. <laughs> uh, so this is amazing. And I like, you know, we do uh, at Gray School have a virtual campus, you know, on the second life. We have this really cool engagement that goes on this space. Um, you know, the apprentice leadership has moots and we have classes and lectures and, we, you know, I won't say parties whatever, but celebrations. And it's good. It's a lot of fun. But for, you know, 17 years now, people keep requesting the physical space. And there's something about this. You know, there's, there's magic all around us. And one of the things that we find is that a wizard needs a tower. And this isn't necessarily a physical power. Sometimes it's the power of our mind or the community we build around ourselves. There's a magic to the physical, a magic to the physical world. As we have kind of been going through this journey, the requests keep coming, and they're bigger and bigger each year. And each year we say, well, you know, it's not really something that we can facilitate. No, it's, it's a good idea, and we'd love to do something, about so over, and over And in 2019, the manor here in Whitehall uh, came onto the market, and it was within my range of, of what I could afford, and I said, you know what, let's try something impossible. Let's do that thing that is impossible. And so I traveled across the country, and I purchased the manor and the grounds, and I spent two years, about, or a year and a half, putting together... The trails and the manor and the rooms and the bits and pieces back together as you do a bit of a bit of electrical soldering in there. And I may or may not have been shocked a few times and have more gray hair now than when I started, but well, I won't tell. It's, uh, it's been exciting, but through that process, there's been a remarkable synchronicity wave going on. Thing after thing after thing lines up well towards this. And this summer we had our first physical conclave in almost a decade and it was remarkable it was such a wonderful experience and now for next year we have three times as many people signed up and wanting to go to it so you know we put out this idea to the people who hold the school and we talked to others in the community and said well what about in-person classes what if what if we did that well, you know, would anyone really be willing to do it? And there was conversation about it. Obviously, you know, that's a it's a it's a big thing to open up a physical mm-hmm. buy your reputation to a property, and all that. And uh, you know, we went with it. And so we've got in the spring, we'll be having our first physical classes in these. Schools. And we'll see how it goes. Right now, there's a lot of interest. A lot of people are signing up for it. And you know, this is step one in our journey. Using the manor as our home base, but it's not the last step in our journey. There's you know forward momentum towards an even larger physical space, you know, castle-like qualities, if you will. Mm -hmm. And um, you know, it looks very possible. And as we continue down that path, what I seem to find is that there's less and less resistance towards the goal. You know,
1: I I'm a big believer. um, I'm a member of the long now foundation you know i'm a supporter of that uh the world future society and they have recently did a piece that i think that that you've tapped into um but i think you're tapping into is the idea of the longest running institutions in the world and everybody's been said oh it's religions and governments, and and they're not even close to the to the real ones the real ones are libraries and universities they're the ones that you know are thousands of years old i mean They say, oh, the Vatican. Well, the Vatican in itself is just a university and a library. A very exclusive (laughs)
0: one.
1: Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And that people can go to it. Uh, The oldest university in Europe and in the world that we know is the University of Bologna. And and the reason they are still in existence after 1,200 years is that every year they have to get ready for the new students and they have to be relevant. And of course, we're still bitching about Ale- the burning of Alexandria, which was actually burned several different times.
0: Yeah, uh, it's, it's got a few catastrophes in history. <laughs>
1: right, but we, we still have this idea of love, of this knowledge. And the idea of the wizard is very much fills that need for that. But your movement towards physicality and the idea of a center is really the only way, I think, that we're going to penetrate time. I mean, I'm I'm almost on the opposite end. Uh, within the next year, I'm going to be asking pagan leaders who buy property and lands to let me put servers on their property, you know, for long-term storage, you know, that sort of thing. Because I think that we're about to go through a, um, an interesting time. Not, you know, that sort of thing. And I, I'm a big believer in I'm a big believer in, in storing knowledge. And now we're going to be storing it in cyberspace as well as physical books. Um, The Lady Phaedra, which is um, uh, Phaedra Bonowitz, she says, you know, pagans don't have holy books. They have holy libraries. And so I think that we're starting to see it. And right now we're seeing a lot of knowledge come out. We have a lot of information, not necessarily knowledge, but information. So so in this last piece, so in this little piece, can you tell us the difference between what you would consider knowledge in the wizard world versus just information? Because there's a ton of information now. But where's the knowledge in it and then, and then wisdom?
0: Well, information is a bar, I mean, information
1: constructs the
0: world, mm-hmm. sort of fundamental. And there's a lot of information that comes to us that is just, I almost would call it binary. It's, it's just stuff. It doesn't really mean very much to us because we're consuming it so much. The last five texts you can, you know, something like this, which are, mm-hmm. you know, well, they're in there, and they keep it, all this sort of stuff, and we consume we them. Equally, there's a lot of, I don't know what you'd call it anymore, but we just used to call it spams. A lot of kind of, well, what are they called, um, click 80 titles out there, and things like this, that people only read that. They consume that information, not really uh, you know, knowledge or wisdom, it's just words. And they consume that and they interpret that information as knowledge, something that means something else. So the headline can say, you know, oh, I don't know, something like 40 casualties in runway accidents. You're like, whoa, man, that's terrible. And you read it. Well, what is a casualty? Well, a casualty means someone was hurt. So 40 Mm. people, well, how were they hurt? Well, everyone got a sunburn waiting for the airplane because they got a flat tire. Okay, well that's you know, that is that's 40 casualties in a main plane accident, but it's not what happened. There's a lot of this. You know, it's just so abundant now as it's sort of shocking. I think people would catch on, but we're we're sort of animals of habit and we like yeah. to consume quickly. And you know, more and more we sort of attuned to a quick consumption of media. You know, four or five seconds look at the thing and go, Okay, well, I've got the headline. Hopefully, that's the news because, you know, good luck knowing everything else. It's interesting. I think a lot of the information people consume is done in this very quickly. A whole lot of thought into it in either side of the media that you're mm-hmm. consuming necessarily. Now, I think when you get to in- media, not just media in sense of traditional news, but any sort of extra you know, class, there's something being taught. In this information, or that you can gain something from what you're doing. So if I'm presenting you with knowledge, there is purpose, in it, there's meaning in knowledge, there's substance in knowledge. As you consume knowledge, you grow or gain something there, skills, perspectives, or whatever it may be. And from that knowledge, you're presented opportunity. Knowledge presents opportunity do things. It. It's wisdom which gives us the insight as to what things to do and when. And this sort of culmination of transforming what we might otherwise put out as just, you know, blank information, making sure that what we do is publish or create or engage with knowledge and provide knowledge, and then equally provide others the tools necessary to transform knowledge into wisdom, looking at things and going, well, all right, you know, I now know about how to deal with these sort of interpersonal conflicts is the right time to engage well you know largely that wisdom is gained by experience which is a fun and joyous road to walk down when doing counseling (laughs) i think that you learn and you learn from those who come before you and also from your own experience so i think wisdom really is this area where we're taking the things that are useful and we're saying okay well how do i use the useful things it's all well and good to know how to make a chair, but when should you be making chairs and it's probably not the time when you need tape so there's this idea that you, you want to be using what you know effectively and efficiently. that ties in you, you know I think there's a lot of I think there's a lot of weight in the idea that information is separate from knowledge. I think maybe if we drill down deeper into what that is we look. Maybe the I wouldn't call it per se, but something along that line—the anima of what it is to be knowledgeable. You know, I also think it has to be relevant. Knowledge is probably relevant to the person's life and the person using it in some way. And it's all oh, well and good to have some very fascinating facts about Mesopotamia, which it is—I'm quite keen on Mesopotamia as a it word—but it's not necessarily going to be the most helpful thing for you when you're studying for your math final. That's information, and you need to be getting some math knowledge. And so that's, <laughs> that's what I mean—the relevance to the situation that you find yourself in, or the time you're in. These sorts of things. You know, another good example—if uh, you were to diligently go and study the codes and mannerisms of like late 19th-century courts, neat. Neat, you know, great title came out of that period, some seriously long window rattlers, but uh, not terribly relevant in the world today. You're not going to meet very many people where you've got to rattle off some title of eight miles long or, you know, dance in the cotillion and these sorts of things. So it's neat information. I don't think information is necessarily bad either. It's neat information. Knowledge might be, okay, well, what is relevant today? How do you balance a checkbook? You <laughs> know, what, what kind of e-currency is going well right now? you have a paypal account how do you set that up <laughs> how do you disable ads on facebook all of these are relevant bits of knowledge in the world today so i think that's probably a part of this relevance to this and then of course wisdom being that problem where you transform that sort of knowledge into action mm-hmm. uh, you know the headmaster my mentor tells me this bit in our training our conversations i think is quite wise that wisdom is about considering the consequences You know, so if you have knowledge and you're putting it out there, wisdom is in considering the consequences of that knowledge that you put out, deciding whether or not it's the right time to do so.
1: That makes good sense. All right, so we're going to get to the next question that I've been asking everybody. What music are you into right now?
0: Hmm. I'm listening to a lot of indie folk music. Uh, And jazz. Live jazz on YouTube. And I, I, you know, indie folk people, uh, sing about happier things. Your songs are very sad, even though they sound very happy. <laughs> I feel this need to be addressed. But, uh, yeah, some jazz is good, too. That's why i got actually going in the back <laughs> right now somewhere.
1: So one of the things I'm finding out is that people have very eclectic ends to it. So my my last question is, is that where you see, you know, you're, you're young. You probably have – well, you're a wizard, so you have a lot longer than the average person in life is sixty. Uh, um, I always tell everybody: we, you know, everybody born today is likely to see a hundred, far more likely than ever before in history. And uh, I know I've, uh, I, I'm, you know, being one of these type of people. I'm only I'm only 58, and they go, okay, but it's very. <laughs> I and mean, like, okay, some people go, oh, that's old. Go, no, I haven't even got started. It's not old.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's not old. You're good. You're right, but, but, you.
1: that, but this is a very big change in the world. And I, I know the idea, and, and even for wizards, it's David and the more so, so uh, I always go to the trope. Well, what do you know about the trope about witches? Go, oh, well, they live a very long time. Yep. Uh huh. And so, and, and that's one of the strong tropes about w- wizards. So, so having said this, where do you see your future? Do you have plans, desires? Do you have a place where you where you can take all this?
0: Well, I want to be headmaster one day, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, and, and to that, that'll happen when it's ready to happen. I think that's a thing, too, for people who are seeking powerful positions. Mm -hmm. Word of the wise, don't push too hard. Pushing too hard doesn't always work. Understand the boundaries that you've built for yourself. And be the most loyal and helpful person you can be. The good things will come as a result. Just saying. Uh, But, you know, I see that. I see further development for the mayor here. I'd like to put another wing on it. That'd be nice. I'd like to get involved maybe with some local politics at some point. Nice mayoral campaign, perhaps one day. Uh, I'd like to write a book when I'm 60. That's the way it's out yet. 27 right now. Young and spry as I am. Uh-huh. And, you know, I, I seek to be just shy of the best I can be. I like to reserve the best I can be just for me. But, you know, I think for everyone else, I can be just about as good. And that's what I want to do. I've got a big future ahead of me, I think. There will be shoes to fill and a future to forge, and a path to make. But part of that, I think, is the destiny I've woven for myself. You know, when people talk about destiny and fate. One of the things I like to talk about is I think fate is the natural course one resigns himself to themselves the way that you are. And that could be okay. You know, some people say it's quite good. But I think destiny is maybe forged. It can be forged by us or for us or through us. But for me, I think the world needs wizards. I do. I, I believe. You know, there's got to be someone out there that can answer the question that you can't get onto. And, a, and an insight into how you're doing. And a knowing of the hidden thing. Talk talked about the physical school briefly there and Wizards are all about knowing the things that aren't known anymore, about the esoteric truths, the occult knowledge, the hidden things. The power of a place is a powerful magic. You know, mm-hmm. The drawing, the raising of energy, the creation of the, stones, the standing of the stones, the laying of the brick. These things have weight. In the world. They pull on the rubber sheet of the universe and kind of drag new and interesting events towards them. Equally in this sort of there is good and bad. There's counter and and positive but I think that with wisdom and patience and an understanding of the path ahead or at least a gleaning of the understanding of the path ahead and good counsel that's important too ever you wish to lead surround yourself with people who are at least as wise as you because you'll need them often you know wizards is myself I am I am where I am and the ability I have because I have found for myself very good team. You know, people I can trust rely on that when I say look we got to do this thing they don't need a lot of instruction on it they go and they do it and they do it in that way that kind of flavors it towards what we do so in the future I'd like to reward those people more <laughs> I'd like to build a world that can sustain something magical you know. and wizardry can be this place where the most hardcore science you know, know-it-all person can jump in and still be a perfectly good wizard. And someone who just is super anti-science can probably be a pretty good wizard as well. Mm-hmm. There's an diversity Wow, that bridge. And then those wizards go back to their own communities. Now, in the fullness of time, I'd like another campus on the West Coast. I'd like one in Europe, and I'd like one in Australia. But, you know, equally, well, my life is sure to be long. A healthy diet of pine cones, everyone. But uh, the, uh, I once watched an interview with a man who turned 107 and asked him, how do you live so long? And he said, I eat a raw pine cone every day. <laughs> um, you know, you can got to have a sense of humor when you're 107. keeps <laughs> your you alive. Know, in, Absolutely. In the future, you have to understand how long you've got. You know, I think maybe a part of the challenges we face as a people today, is that we forget to build the world for tomorrow. We build it for ourselves in the now. And this is not a behavior which can be sustained. Our world is in trouble in many respects. And it needs attention. And if we're going to do positive and lasting change, then we have to think of building worlds that outlast ourselves. What I build, what I work for, what I do. Isn't because I want to enjoy it now? I want whoever comes next to inherit this toolkit they can do some really impressive stuff. You know, and if we're going to be building our system structures, we can't make them too rigid. They have to be able to move and, blow and breathe and change with the times. But equally, we have to understand that we need to be building to last our own lifespan. You know, as I say, the next person to take over things in the future will have challenges that I can't foresee, that our founder couldn't foresee. Because in the past, things change. What we can do is provide the best tools of our time to those future generations. That they have at their hands an arsenal of education that can do what needs to be done. We can learn from that. What we can do now in our present selves is to say, well, we have an opportunity to preserve knowledge. We do that. We have an opportunity to create uh, lessons. We do that. And, you know, we acquire property, we build a little space, we, we build up to so that, you know, the next people along can go, wow, I've got all these tools. I think I want a wizard school on the moon. Who knows? But uh, I right. think that, yeah, right, the moon's good for going to Mars soon, so might as well get in on that. I think, <laughs> I think there's a lot of possibilities. But, yeah, I think my future is dedicated to building a future for someone I don't know. And I'm excited to meet that person.
1: And you will. I expect it. So giving advice to 15-year-old you. You know, you can talk to yourself to the 15 or any 15-year-old that, that exists today that wants to follow this path or is, what advice would you give them? And I guess you do have younger people come involved. So. Mm-hmm. What advice
0: would I give? Sorry. And then they broke up there for a second.
1: Well, oh no, I didn't say anything. It, it, it was a haunting sound for a second there.
0: Oh, yeah. You never know, wizards and whatnot, man. Witches. It's all, it's all sorts of yeah. crazy things. But, um, what advice I give to a fifteen? I don't know. Listen to your parents. <laughs> don't, don't be a snotty kid. Um, no, I don't know. Advice I give to me at 15 would be to be mindful of myself, not get too wrapped up in my own ego. That was an important lesson. Although equally, I think the lesson I learned when it happened was a good lesson. Now, we've got to be able to take that very time. Granted, I mean, my ego is as it is today, but at least I accept that fact about it. These are are important principles. But to any 15-year-old, I think... You need to recognize in yourself that you are, at this moment in time, a seed. And you can be anything you want to be at this moment. There will come a time in your life where being what you want to be becomes more difficult. And that's a, that's a byproduct of growth. You know, but now, at this sort of formative moment in your life, when you're looking at the world ahead. Recognize the agency and potential that you have in your own. Humans are remarkable creatures. We really are. We do. We're so much cooler than ants, you guys. I'm not are a pro-human, but... <laughs> so, the, uh, you know, being able to recognize that you are, in essence, this great and amazing falcon between the world of what could be and the world of what is. You know, within your mind, you have the infinite cosmos. You can imagine the smallest thing and the largest thing. All that exists within you. And then outside of you, it exists as well. So you get to be the plate in between. You know? And I think, as a young person, you take that energy. Because the future is yours. It really is. Anything you want to do, you can do, provided you've got the moxie about it. Not always will it be easy. And I tell you this here and now, the path to success is not an easy path. Nor should we. Success is a journey that we walk to learn about how to engage with the world in meaningful way. So walk that out, learn the lessons, and be mindful what sort of things you set yourself. But, you know, equally enjoy this opportunity because you'll be able to do a lot with it.
1: There you go. Well, thank you so much for being on with us today. I think that we now see why, you know, people see you as a leader, of the uh, an emerging leader uh, to it. I think that... Um, it's it's very proud. I think you make people very proud of what you've done and what you've accomplished so far. There's a lot more ahead of you. So you, we've been talking to Lord Nicholas Kinsley, provost of the Gray School, and you can check out grayschool.com, G-R-E-Y-S-C-H-O-O-L.com, and you can contact him through there or any number of ways. And uh, it's, it's quite an experience. Um Out there. So we'll be right back. So we're going to take a break here and uh, we'll be right back with more Pegas Tonight Radio.